The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan and attorney Ray Judice. Welcome back to another episode of your day in court with renowned lawyers, Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. Appreciate you listening to us here on Extra 106.3. So we always start out the show because so many people need legal help and want legal help. How do guys get a hold of you? I'm real easy. Ray Judice, G-I-U-D as in David, I-C-E, 404-964-4185. Go to the web, put me in there. You'll find a whole bunch of videos and things that I've done and spoken about how I practice law, my philosophy. And Bruce? Yeah, so uh, Bruce at Hagen-Law.com, H-A-G-E-N-Law.com, 404-522-7553. We're there 24 hours to answer phone calls, and so you can find me. If you're not finding me, it's because you're not looking hard enough. <laughs> that's right. Google will help you. We're trying right. to be found. That's okay. right. Exactly. We want to be located. Right. That's you know, exactly I, right. I had a uh, life insurance guy named Fred, and he would finish every conversation with, don't keep Fred a secret. You know, that, that's kind of how I feel about me and Ray. Like, right. you know, don't, don't keep Ray and Bruce a secret. That's exactly right. If you need legal help, reach out to one of these gentlemen. They will be able to help you. All right. I want to start with a story that has a relationship to the place we are right now, recording at Dickey Broadcasting Company right across from Truist Park, where the All-Star Game would have been played, but it was moved to Denver. There was a bunch of reasons behind it that we've went into. And we'll probably get into a little more because now Major League Baseball has prevailed in the lawsuit over moving the All-Star game. A federal judge has dismissed the Job Creators Network lawsuit saying that it didn't have any merit. Bruce, not surprised, I assume. Not surprised. And this is something that uh, we had talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, but just to kind of reset, the Job Creators Network is a pro-business, conservative-oriented group that filed this lawsuit, allegedly acting on behalf of hundreds or thousands of affected businesses that relied upon Major League Baseball bringing the All-Star game to Atlanta and the promise that came with that and then claims to, in the name of all those businesses who've been affected, to file this suit saying, hey, MLB, when you pulled this game from Atlanta, you harmed these businesses. Really what's at the base of it is you have a group of conservative leaning, politically thinking folks who were angry that there was a sanction against the state of Georgia for enacting a voting law that was deemed by many to be restrictive and to deny the opportunity to participate in the voting process. And so this lawsuit was filed. Judge saw this. You know, Ray and I quickly analyzed this lawsuit yeah. as having zero merit whatsoever, not because a business couldn't have been adversely affected by this decision and couldn't have a legitimate claim, but because this group didn't have the right standing under the law to bring the case. Right. I think a first-year law student would have agreed with both of us a couple of weeks ago that there's standing was going to be a problem. 
and uh, Judge Valerie Caproni of the Southern District of New York, nice oh. Italian gal, right, quickly dismissed this case. And her language from the bench, which she dismissed it from the bench. So what does that mean? Sometimes when you have a hearing, a judge will say, well, good arguments on both sides. This is interesting, good law. I'm going to go back and take it under advisement. I'm going to think about it, get my law clerk to do some research. I'll issue an order. Or I'll call one of you each. Usually the winning side writes the order. She didn't do that. She ruled from the bench, dismissed, you don't have standing. And she threw a little extra in there. And, and basically she said, you have no standing. I don't know why you wasted our time. Your legal theory is muddled at best. Now, I want to take a little disagreement with what you said earlier, that the case has no merit. These guys had no standing. I think there is a case that has merit. So we're here at the Battery, which is where Truist Park is in, in Metro Atlanta. And there's all kinds of restaurants and a cigar shop and hotels that we're counting on 75,000 people being here for the All-Star game, the game, the batting thing that's the night the, the before, home right? Run, the home run and, derby and they game. made an investment. Maybe they upped their staff. Maybe they retooled. They did some, some new products, a special menu for the All-Star game. Well, I think there's the case, okay? I, I, would, I would at least entertain talking to those folks about, hey, Major League Baseball, you owe us for what we committed to based on your promises yeah. of having a game here. At, at least you'd have folks who were directly affected by this decision. Now, whether or not a court would find that Major League Baseball owed any kind of a duty to these businesses is a whole different question. Um, you know, there's a concept of, is somebody a third-party beneficiary? Meaning, as a local business in the battery, I'm not a party to the agreement between MLB and the Braves to bring the All-Star game here, but I am certainly someone who benefits by that, and you would expect me to benefit from this because I'm a business adjacent to your property. One so of the reasons a, I opened my shop right here. As a third-party beneficiary. And pay a big rent and knowing fee. That, that knowing. Because it was a yeah. new stadium, we were gonna get an All-Star sure. game. and did the leasing agent for the battery, use that as a sales that, point. Hey, by the way, we're going to be hosting the 2021 All Star exactly. Weekend, and you know you're going to get such an uptick in your business, and the economic benefit to you is enormous. One of the great quotes I liked from the case was that you know there was an argument here that there was some constitutional violation by MLB, and the quote was that the founding fathers did not bestow upon American cities the right to an MLB All Star Game. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, I kind of like. Had they really thought about it, maybe they would have. Uh, yeah. Uh, that, that's yeah. it, right? But uh, yeah. no, that, that's certainly not anything that was uh, directly anticipated. Well, I, I mostly agree with you. However, the Constitution was designed to protect property owners and property rights, correct? Well, my property is my business here in the battery. I've invested in it. I have a right to protect it and to protect my investment. So I, I'm not, I, I don't disagree with you completely, but the spirit of most of our property laws are to, is to encourage innovation investment for the economy to grow. I, I did hear your characterization of this group as the conservative business-oriented group. I'm waiting to hear who is a liberal business group. I mean, <laughs> did, what businesses do the liberals support? Okay. I'd like to know that. But yeah. but I see what, what where you're coming from is right. But conservative political thinking is to protect property rights. I mean, it goes back to the Constitution. Well, and it's a matter of, uh, you know, constitutional rights keeping the government out of your property, right? And, and so, yeah, this is the same group that paid for the giant billboard in Times Square, taking shots at AOC to blame her for Amazon not coming. So now you don't like the First Amendment. So, so, so you know, here's, here's what we're doing. <laughs> right. what, no, what I love about this is that these are the same groups who routinely bitch and complain about frivolous lawsuits, right, and, and the need to reform our tort system, right? We have to have tort, tort reform. It's killing business in Georgia. We hear this every single 
uh, legislative session. And as somebody who's a trial lawyer and part of the Georgia Trial Lawyers Association, we're constantly pushing back against this nonsense that there's a need to prevent frivolous litigation because it costs business so much money. And yet here's a pro-business conservative leaning group. I'm not ashamed. I'm not backing off from that statement. That is bringing what is so clearly a frivolous lawsuit that has no basis and no shot. And what you're seeing is this system works. This case went nowhere because there is no legal standing to this case. You know, they, you, they couldn't bring a case. You would have th- thought that for all the effort that it takes to file a lawsuit in federal court, which takes a lot of effort, you would have found one of these restaurants or bars or taverns right, right here the battery. You don't need every one of them. You just need one to be your lead plaintiff, correct? And then there's the yeah, et al. Say that there's an, enough similarly situated businesses that are affected in the same way. And then way. they could there's, join in later. Class. Yeah. Is, you might is, have gotten past standing to at least be able to argue the merit. And again, you said right. there was, the judge found there was no merit. She really didn't get to that issue. She said, right. you okay. guys shouldn't be in my courtroom. Yeah, yeah, under, right. Understand what happens at this early stage of any litigation is that if there's a motion to throw out a case that early, a judge is going to look at the case and assume that all the facts can be proven and saying, like, even if all of these facts are proven to be true, there's no case here. Either there's no legal theory under which you can recover or, like, in this case, you don't have the ability to bring the case. So, so a judge is not deciding the, the merits of the case or whether these facts are true right. or can be proven or not. They're basically saying, let's assume all of this is true and can be proven. You have no case. And our legal system is, has so many built-in protections to keep these kind of frivolous cases from going forward. The idea, again, that we need to prevent folks from having access to courts, the judges have power right now to make sure and, and to be the guardians of the civil justice system, and that's exactly what happened here. I misspoke with the, the merit. How dare you? <laughs> okay. But, but, and that's okay because standing is an unusual issue. It's something that we spend a lot of time first year in law school to understand, no pun intended, who gets to bring a case to court. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because I'm PO'd at something I saw or a mm-hmm. cause or you have to be directly or at least partially impacted or represent a group that is impacted by somebody else's negligence or behaviors or mm-hmm. lack of behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, and breach of contract damages are tricky as well because when you're not a party to that contract, then- Which what, this what, group wasn't. This group wasn't. And so, you know, they, they were alleging both rights that would have brought claims rather that were under theories of contract, but also theories of tort, theories of equitable relief, you know, saying that the court should step in because we relied to our detriment on the promise that MLB made to host this game in Atlanta. But here again, the right plaintiff could bring that theory. Yeah, probably, which is what you're talking about. But right. this, right. Right, this was not the right plaintiff. At yeah. least get down the road, you know, get into the pool. Maybe it, not Maybe not win the race. What, what Ray and I are saying is if the folks who own Antico Pizza yeah, are <laughs> listening to this yeah. broadcast, right. give us a call. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I venture to say that those claims can be resolved peacefully without a lawsuit. I mean, I think that Major League Baseball must have factored that in when they made the decision to move the game. I've heard, since we're over here at the baseball stadium, I've heard some rumors that the secret was, shh, you're going to get it back in a couple of years. So yeah. there may be that too. So, but then that may, that, to me then, that almost sounds like it's nothing but theater. We're going back to political theater and those things that we've talked about before, but that, that seems like that's what well, that is. That's well, largely that what, what this is anyway. I mean, you know, if you think how quickly the decision was made and the immediate backlash from corporate America, how much of that was based on an in-depth analysis of the facts and, sure. and the underlying effect of this legislation versus we need to do something that looks good and makes a statement that we're trying to make right now. Well, interestingly, I think, is it tonight that there'll be an NBA basketball playoff game downtown? 
the NBA, quite frankly, I don't know what the percentage of African-American ballplayers make up the population of the NBA. Would it be 75% perhaps? I don't 65, know. But a majority. A majority. Okay, a majority. Sure. We have some very outspoken NBA basketball players, LeBron James to be one of them. That game's right here, <laughs> right yeah. downtown in yeah. Atlanta, the same state the All-Star game was moved away from, yeah. as you say, at the snap of a finger, nobody's moved the basketball games. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a good point. I feel like I learned so much with you guys, and this is why you need to listen to the show each week. It is your day in court with Ray Judice and Bruce Hagan here on Extra 106.3. My name is Tug Coward. When we come back, a judge has dismissed another lawsuit, this one out of Houston, Texas, where hospital workers sued about vaccine mandates. We'll tell you what happened next. Here on Extra 106.3, this is your day in court. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 1063. Welcome back to your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. My name is Tug Cowart. You are listening to Extra 1063. When we finished the last segment, we were talking about a lawsuit that was dismissed by a judge in New York that a group brought against Major League Baseball for moving the All-Star game out of Atlanta. That was dismissed. There is a second case I want to get into, and a judge rules in favor of a Houston hospital requiring COVID vaccines for its employees. The judge said this lawsuit is frivolous and has tossed it out. Ray, how do you see this? I thought this was going to happen this way. You're talking about, it looks like out of 25,000 hospital employees, this is a hospital network throughout the state of Texas and maybe across borders as well. There are less than 200 employees who were suspended and not only suspended, but given the opportunity to get reinstated by, I think, June 21st, if they would get their vaccines. You don't have a right to that job if the employer has a rational, equally even-handed policy. So it's not just old employees or young employees or black employees or white employees or tall or short. It's everybody, Mm -hmm. except within a religious exception. Uh, which is there for a lot of vaccines, believe it or not, in various states, causes some problems at the school level. And so the judge said, no, we're dismissing your case very quickly in the game before there was years of litigation, which this type of case would take. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, like the old saying goes, you don't have to go home. You just can't stay here. (laughs) You know, you don't have to get vaccinated, but you just can't work here if you're not 
got vaccinated. You know, the case involved what the court found to be a balance of competing interests. You know, on the one hand, employees who have an interest in not getting the vaccine because they're concerned about the effect it may have on their health versus a business that's in the healthcare business and their need and desire to provide the safest possible environment, both for the people that work there and for the public that comes there in times of medical need. And so the judge found that the public policy reason that the hospital had for requiring vaccinations outweighed the privacy concerns of the individuals who felt they didn't want to get the vaccine. And again, it's like, you don't have to get the vaccine. You just can't work there if you don't want to get it. I would think there was not a remote work option for most of these jobs. Right, uh, because just, you're dealing with patients. Yeah, and you know, pl- if it's if, if it's somebody in the accounting department at the hospital, maybe it, yeah, it's different perhaps. than if, if they're front-facing with the public that's coming in there for medical Exactly, care. but you've got a hospital which inherently has sick people, okay? <laughs> and so we can't have a portion of the population that may have the virus. Maybe they're not sick, but they could spread it to sick hospital patients. So the hospital there may actually, we haven't really talked about this, about liability issues. But you know, if you willingly and wantonly and knowingly allowed folks that had coronavirus to work with your sick hospital patients, and one of those hospital patients got the coronavirus, now you'd still have a causation issue. How did it happen? By whom and when? Mm -hmm. But you know, that sounds negligent to me. And it sounds like a case that could be brought to court, a difficult case to prove. But nonetheless, I think the hospital clearly did the right thing. It seems like this judge found, uh, as Bruce says, there was an appropriate balancing to the protection of not only the fellow employees, but the patients. You had a high participation rate, which was great to see. But again, we're going to continue to see this. Coronavirus is not going away. No, it's just not going it's away. Well, and it's been around a long time. I mean, if you go back a few years ago, and if you've got a Lysol can in your house, it says coronavirus on it. This is not like it's coronavirus. It's just the strain. Just, yeah, yeah. Right. The strain exactly. And we're going to see variants that are popping up in India and D. Great Britain. D, the strain D is, yeah. uh, is showing up in right. Georgia. Funny that you mentioned the Lysol spray, because my theory early on in this case was that if we just took the spray they use at bowling alleys to spray in those <laughs> shoes. That stuff kills everything. You know, spray that. We're goodbye, good. Corona. Get back right. to work. That's exactly but we're going to be right. either taking booster shots right. or variations of the existing shots, perhaps indefinitely. This is just not going away. And there's going to be a substantial part of our population, I'm thinking 18 to 22 percent, that for whatever reason, forever heartfelt reason, constitutional reasons, or they just don't want to, are just not going to get the shot. And therefore, it's always going to be lingering. You know, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt had polio. You never saw him in his wheelchair. Mm-hmm. That was part of the He's policy. In fact, way. if you look at him standing, he always has two military naval attaches that are holding him by his elbow to hold him upright with his braces on. The reason there's no polio anymore is because everybody in America got the polio shot or the little sugar cube. That's herd mentality. <laughs> I remember, right. I mean, the, the herd, herd immunity. Herd, right. Right. Sorry. It's funny. Could you imagine somebody trying to get away with that, with that today, like hiding the fact that they're that in the a wheelchair polio, that, yeah. that there's any sort of infirmity to, right. to, to the of course, president? Of course you know, not. It'd be impossible. But yeah, keep in mind as well that situations like this are happening everywhere, right? I mean, all over the country, you're dealing with this. This one particular lawsuit really just was one one federal judge interpreting Texas state law, employment laws related to that. You could have a totally different result with a different judge, but also state by state with different state laws and how those are interpreted. So you'd like to have some uniform guidance here, and maybe this will lead towards that. But you know, this is not necessarily the be-all, end-all for every employment question that comes up here about here in Georgia, can an employer make you get the vaccine or not? So I've heard of case law, and that's the reason they choose to rule a particular way. Would, let's say it was here in 
Georgia. We had a hospital and it was basically the same kind of case. Would they use that as a case study or case law to rule on here? In my opinion, it would not be binding on a court here in Georgia. It would certainly be something that a court would look at. Now, I've been in state courts and superior courts of Georgia most of my career, a little bit of federal court, and I've had lots of state court judges say, Mr. Tuche, I don't want none of that federal law. Give me some <laughs> give me some good <laughs> right. Georgia law. Georgia right. law is what I want. So you'd have to interpret it probably under Georgia employment law, mm-hmm. which tends to be favor the employer, okay, not okay. the employee. Yeah. We're not in California. You would expect Texas law to be that way as well, generally speaking. I think Texas is a very pro-business right to state, work, right, right to work state right. like us. But know? again, we had a federal judge, and this is something we spoke about in another show, about the lifetime tenure of the federal judiciary, in both cases here, lifetime appointees, who didn't have to worry about political ramifications. So this Texas judge in a relatively conservative jurisdiction, I would assume, doesn't have to run for re-election in three mm-hmm. or four years where somebody's going to run against him or her and say, yeah, you know, wouldn't let these 178 people have their jobs at the hospital. Get rid of this judge. So right. there's that immunity there. This is going to trickle down as we go forward, I think, not so much to the major employers. I think it's to the mom and pops, the small restaurants, the the small law firm. Yep. I mean, we've got between us, you know, 20, 20 employees, if we added our firms together. Do we have a right, if Judice and Hagen, Hagen and Judice, to say to every one of our employees, look, we love you. You can work remotely if we can make it work, but you can't come into the shop without proof that you've had your shot, shots, or, or booster right, yeah, down the road. Whatever it is. And I think absolutely we can. I agree 100%. And we're small enough as well that we're not subject to the same workplace restrictions as larger employers are. Uh, That's but, probably what the federal court had jurisdiction here because yeah, of the size and, and of the so, employee. And, and to Ray's point, yeah, what happened in this case would not be binding on a judge here in Georgia, sure. but it's the sort of thing that in the absence of any clear guidance, if this case came up in Georgia, lawyers would certainly point to the rationale and the decision making that went into this judge's decision and point to that. And a federal judge would be at least influenced to an extent by what happened in the Southern Court, not bound to follow it. It's not the sort of precedent that they're obligated to follow, but certainly they're going to look at that and sort of work their way through their decision tree, looking at that, at that law and how somebody else applied it. We see this more and more, and Ray's right, that judges want to see, how do we do this in Georgia? How have other judges in Georgia done this? How have appellate courts in Georgia decided these issues? A few years back, Georgia's rules of evidence changed in the same way a lot of states changed to mirror federal law. So there's something called the federal rules of evidence. And so that the law of how information gets brought up at trial, how that will what's allowed, what's not allowed, how it gets processed, now mirrors federal law more closely. So it does give us the ability to say, hey, Judge, I I know that we're interpreting Georgia law, but there really is no clear Georgia law on this particular rule of evidence. But look how this now was done in these other federal jurisdictions and decided in those areas, because since we changed the rules here to mirror federal law, you can be guided more closely by what uh, other judges have decided on these same issues. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this is going to come up, though, and, and I'll tell you why. In looking at the news reports, the attorney for the employees that challenged the vaccine policy, Jared Woodfill, has says this is just the first of many lawsuits. We're going to appeal. We'll, we'll fight them on the water. We'll fight them on the land. We'll fight them in the air. So I would say that this is going to come up, whether 
he's politically oriented or he's funded by some group that may be, or he's just trying to get, you know, this is a lot of free advertising and he's got 178 clients now where he didn't have any the day before he filed this lawsuit. Uh, and that's always a possibility. So I think we're going to see these cases. They're going to crop up around the country. Uh, the federal court, I think, is going to rule very consistently on this. I can't see too many options of major changes. I think you're going to get a, an oddball local state court, uh, a judge that says, well, you know what? I'm going to rule for the employees on this one. Let these guys take it up to the Court of Appeals and let some let some appellate judge tell me I'm wrong. But darn it, I'm running for election in two months. <laughs> and this is the side, I, this is the hill I'm, I'm prepared to die on. So I think we're going to see continual battles. Uh, the science here, we talked about this a little earlier. I mean, even the language from this judge, uh, you know, the, we, we don't want to be human guinea pigs for an experimental drug. Well, we were spoke earlier. I, I think the CDC or the uh, Food and Drug Administration, if they would change the title that they currently have on the vaccines, which is emergency approval, uh, approval to full approval. I don't know. I don't see that it's that big a deal. At this point in time, we've got millions of people around the world they've had some minor minor problems it seems like now in retrospect uh, whatever hold up on a j&j vaccine was kind of frivolous uh it's working it's mm -hmm. working wherever the vaccine is being used you know the the infection rates are down the death rates are down the hospitalization rates are down kids that's the trial and yeah. error right there yeah the judge was uh, also particularly offended by uh attorney woodfill's analogy of forcing folks to be vaccinated to medical experiments that were done by the Nazis during the Holocaust. And, and so, you know, there's just, there's a certain aspect of our refusal to go along with these kind of medical uh, innovations and, and public health that you just go too far in, in, mm -hmm. in the arguments and, and in the analogies. We get it. And there are certain portions of the population who are just never going to be trustful of the government telling you you have to do something from a medical standpoint. I mean, we look back to the Tuskegee experiments and, you know, there's sure. a portion of the black population that says, I will never agree to anything the government tells me. Look what they did to my grandfather's mm -hmm. generation. Sure. You know, and, and so how, how do you blame them for having those feelings, right? The emergency authorization and changing that, you know, I, I, there's a lot more to it. I, I, I've gotten to know a little bit about how drugs come to market um, through being involved in a couple of these mass tort um, cases where you have an allegation of a defective um, drug uh, or, or a dangerous drug that's been put on the marketplace and rushed to the market. And, and so the whole process of what, uh, what it takes to get a drug approved with, with all the blind trials and all the testing that's done, and um, it, it's really a very long and arduous process. And from the drug company's standpoint, the emergency uh, authorization, it, it comes with immunity. So, so, so you know, it, it, the, the idea that right. if there is a problem, they can't be held accountable All, for Although it is, I think they have an enormous amount of immunity by the pre-existing vaccine immunity laws that, that go back to the measles vaccine and smallpox vaccine. And, you know, we have these breakouts of measles, childhood measles, in very small communities uh, where the anti-vax folks live, and and the measles vaccine has been around for fifty years. I see. I'm sixty three. I got it when I was mm -hmm. a kid, so it's more than fifty years. It's tried and true. So all I'm getting at, though, and I understand your point, but if we can, t if the government could take that temporary use, emergency use language out, I think it would relieve some of the 
you know, the, the gas bag sure. arguments here sure. because right. we've got to get, we've got to make a dent in that last 25 to 30% of folks. I mean, to have herd immunity and to make sure that we don't have an enormous influx of a new variant. And also, you know, uh, we're all, all getting older. I'm getting older. I don't, you know, I mean, I'm glad I've got my vaccines. I feel good about it, but I know, I know I'm going to have to be vigilant as we move forward. Well, you know, we've all become uh, amateur epidemiologists yes, over the last right. year and a half, <laughs> right. and every one of us understands the, the the medicine and the science better than any expert. But it, it's go just, to social media. <laughs> you'll, yeah, right. you'll see the evidence. Well, so you're well, a doctor all of a sudden, <laughs> right? But, right. but you know, how, how aggravating is it when you look at the statistics of who's refusing to get vaccinated along their political lines and just the differences in, you know, Republican identifying voters who refuse to get vaccinated versus Democrats who refuse to get vaccinated and why. And you have to ask yourself, you know, what role does the media have in driving this crisis forward and driving this, you know, stalemate that we're in right now where you have a large number of people flat out refusing to get vaccinated. They believe it, they're firm in it, but how much of that belief and and how much of their feelings come from this sort of daily beating over the head that they receive from whatever TV channel they happen to get their news from? Or lack of news or lack of information. Sure. I, it, it could be the opposite as well. I mean, look, our our general population is poorly informed about just On about every everything. big issue possible. Okay? I agree with that. Except the you know the housewives of New Jersey yeah, and uh, the Kardashians we're up today on that, and TikTok dancing. I mean, that's we're, we're really good at those things. And yeah. the Chinese laugh at us all freaking day because the Russians, the Russians too. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And uh, so so it's no different than the people that wouldn't wear seatbelts for for my my mother and her second husband. They would click the seatbelts and sit on them. Rather than wearing the seatbelts. Is that why they didn't have to hear the ding? Yeah. And oh, then he dismantled. I mean, I'm, my what father are you doing? insisted more people die from wearing seatbelts <laughs> than from <laughs> not wearing them. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and your dad went to law school. He was a smart <laughs> guy. Smart man. Right. You know? I mean, but sometimes people do get something in their head that they're just not going to let go for you whatever reason. You should go swimming for what? 45 minutes <laughs> yeah, after yeah, you eat? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Absolutely. It does happen. People just get things sideways. I want to take it a step further since uh, we got about six minutes left. What about companies like Delta that have 74,000 employees that um, do not have to get vaccinated and all new employees do and i understand you don't have to take the job you know you're you know you have to get the vaccine but just as a guy that's on the outside looking in if it's so important and it means so much then why would you only require the people that are coming in to get it done i would like to have been in the room to hear hear the logic as how they got i'm sure very smart people sure yeah lawyers and doctors i want to understand it because i don't i don't know how they came to that and i'm not just picking on delta no yeah any any company i just threw that one out there because i know i mean the rational part is to make all new employees all right we've so we've agreed that that's the law and they're right on that the the illogical subcomponent of that or large component is what do we why do we not have the same requirement for just as the Texas hospital system did uh, for the other 74,000 existing employees right and and certainly it's easier to say that you know we're going to do this going forward mm-hmm. and we're going to have this bright line rule going forward it's very easy to uh, enforce that uh, as opposed to going retroactively with the employees you already have is a challenge look Delta like a lot of airlines ha- has a portion of their employees who are part of a union, different unions, right? There's a, there's a flight attendants union, there's a pilots union, ramp, there's a mechanics workers, union. Yeah. You know, there, there's multiple unions, and then there are non-unionized workers within the same company And any as well. one of them can essentially shut the airline down. 
sure. And, and, and so that comes into play as well with a company like that of, you know, how do we manage these competing labor forces where you have collective bargaining agreements that might prevent that sort of thing from taking place or subject you to all kinds of issues. And then, you know, I'm sure, look, I know many lawyers uh, who spent career at working at Delta as well as getting work from Delta. Uncertainty among the labor laws of how this would be enforced is one of those things that no doubt says, you know, do we really want to have this be the um, the line in the sand that we're drawing? So what as, if- as the general public, you know, I would like to know that Every person you're going to encounter in your experience with Delta, uh, you know, the, the folks that, that greet you when you go to check in, the folks that are taking your ticket, the folks who are walking up and down the aisle, the folks who are flying the planes, I would like to know that they're all vaccinated. Right? That would make me feel more confident flying. I'd really like to know that the person sitting next to me is vaccinated. Um, but, you know, the, the, the compromise seems to be you have to wear a mask on the flight. Okay. Which is reasonable. Sure. But what if France says, we love you, Delta, and we want you to bring tourists, American tourists over here, and all your employees, because when you do those overnight flights, the pilots, they stay for a couple of days before they fly back. Same with the the rest of the staff and the team. We want everybody on board, including the Delta employees, to have proof of vaccination, or you can't land here and pass France. Well, and, and it's funny you bring that example up, because when I was in the Navy, we I was stationed aboard a nuclear-powered guided missile cruiser, and we were not allowed to dock in France. We anchored out, took Liberty boats in, so they could absolutely do that. They sure. did it to us. Nuclear sure. power? Is that why your head glows? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I was hoping nobody would notice. Just like Homer. The, that's the, exactly. the lights are out in the studio. And <laughs> it is play for the isotopes. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's a, it's a nice green tent. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. around the world, I mean, certainly uh, different countries are all you know, creating their own set of rules here. And as an international traveler, uh, it's hard to know. What, Portugal what just made everybody from Great Britain go home. Like wow. now, yeah. you must leave here. So you flights from Portugal is a major sea and sun and sand right. destination yeah, for the Brits. Right. And yeah. they get there real quick and cheap. And you couldn't get a ticket. And they were flying in extra planes. And it was a $1,000 a seat because Portugal changed its rules. And they're I having see, yeah. a major outbreak. And the Brits now have a variant that is difficult. And apparently they're... Uh, vaccinations are not as as powerful enough. I think the Pfizer seems to be the, the the champion at the end of the day of fighting off not only the current variant but the next one's coming. But uh, I, it's going to be who would would you go to India right now? No, with or no, without shots. You know, I spoke to somebody in Toronto, Canada, the other day. Um, they're not open. You know, Canada is not open for business yet, and and uh, their numbers are down and 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 shrinking. But you know, they made a decision early on of just like we're sh- we're shutting down our borders here. Well, you know, Canada, of course, has socialized medicine, mm-hmm. but you know what they don't have in the entire country of Canada? What's that? A pharmaceutical company that could make the vaccine. Mm, okay, right. so this is a G seven first world country that didn't have. I don't know. Was it socialized medicine that made them not have a, you know, the Johnson and Johnson or Merck, Pfizer, Shearing Plow? We have a capitalist system that helped create these fantastic shots. And so, and of course, you know, I think one of these things we should talk about is the movement across the world for the Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson to release the patent on the drugs. I think it's a really interesting topic. Yeah, and, and, and one that we probably need to uh, take a little more time to talk about than I we agree. have here remaining. I agree. But, but it's one of the things that held back the, the ability to 
um, just spread these vaccines all over the world. I disagree because, with that. But, well, but, you know, fr- from the standpoint of U.S. saying, look, we respect that uh, the patent rights of the folks who have invented these products and um, you know it, they should be compensated for what they created you know? that's right but but every uh, expert that I've watched on especially on the financial news show says it's just not that simple just because I give you the patent doesn't mean you can fire up a pharmaceutical company the next day or take your existing technology that took a year under warp speed program to create it's just not it just doesn't work that way it's not like I give you the blueprint to building a 3,500 square foot house and you take the blueprint and buy the wood and the nails and you can build the house it's much more complicated than they make it sound and of course there's the legitimate argument of okay guys you want to take our our patents and give it to the Chinese and the Russians next time there's a virus don't call us right I mean it's yeah. not yeah. an you know Merck and Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson are beholden to their shareholders of which I am one for Johnson and Johnson I make no shame about it great company uh but why should they give it away and of course the chinese have been and north koreans have been trying to steal it from day one anyway it's a uh, interesting and fascinating conversation and we should you let you guys brush up on it and we could talk about that in the next episode oh, oh, we maybe. could talk about it without brushing yeah, up we, on no, it. Yeah. that's, that's, that's <laughs> never stopped us. 70 years of legal experience between us you know Ray and i could talk about anything now, judge i quote the case of johnson versus virginia <laughs> so, I, I thought i heard you say that so i was, well, yeah. I was trying to give you the opt out there but uh, so we can t- continue that or we can talk about jury trials that are coming back and some of the challenges that they're going to face here in the state of Georgia. Renowned lawyers, Bruce Hagan, Ray Judice, this is your day in court on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. Welcome back. Final segment, your day in court on Extra 106.3. My name is Tug Coward, along with renowned lawyers Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. This last segment is about court and the fact that jury trials are returning in the state of Georgia. Is there going to be any issue with the vaccine that might pop up when it comes to the return of jury trials? Well, first of all, so going back to March of 2020, the state of Georgia has been under a judicial emergency order that the Supreme Court of Georgia has issued that has prevented us from having any jury trials for the last year plus. That order has recently been lifted so that now we're starting to see a resumption of jury trials, but it's with the proviso 
that they have to be done safely with the idea that you're going to protect the court personnel, the general public who shows up for jury service, as well as the litigants in your courtroom. There are folks who have been sitting in jail, unable to post bond for a year and a half, waiting for their day in court. You know, folks are desperate to have their cases tried, let alone folks who have financial grievances and want to have the court resolve that. I represent folks who are injured in personal injury claims, right? Someone was negligent and they're injured. We can't get these cases resolved without having the pressure of a defendant and a defendant insurance company knowing if you don't treat us fairly, we're going to go in front of six or 12 strangers in the community and let them decide this. So now we're starting to see these cases come back. In fact, our office is having uh, one of the lawyers has a jury trial going on right now. So it's starting to happen slowly. I have criminal cases that were formally indicted or accused back in 2018 that were supposed to come to court in 219 or 220, and now it's halfway through 2021 and may go the next year. We have people in jail that can't make bond. In one of these shows, we're going to talk about the whole bond issue and the no-bond jurisdictions that are having spiked crime rates. So the criminal system was backed up, and now it's really backed up. So let's talk about a felony jury trial here in Fulton County, Georgia, which is the busiest courthouse in the state of Georgia. There are 20 superior court judges, that means felonies in the criminal world, and 10 state court judges. That means misdemeanors. That's 30 courtrooms. Now, very rarely are all 30 courtrooms going at the same time, but to pick a jury or strike a jury for a felony, you need 48 potential jurors, of which we're going to strike 30-something <laughs> and have a couple of alternates, depending how long the trial is going to be, so that we have 12 plus one or two. Well, those 48 folks, they've got to be in the courtroom to be voir dire, to answer their questions, to take the oath. There's got to be 12 or 14 of them in the jury box and in the jury room. So at the beginning of a trial, it's not uncommon for judges to say, does anyone here have a problem? This this trial is going to take a week. What's going on is always a handful. I've got daycare problems. I've got a job interview. I haven't worked in six months. Somebody may, as Bruce say, raise their hand and say, I've had my shots. But I don't know if these characters have had their mm -hmm. shots or someone says, I haven't had my shots and I've got X disease, Crohn's, lupus, whatever, and I'm at risk and I don't want to be here. What's a judge to do? Right. I think in the latter example, if somebody says, I haven't gotten vaccinated and I'm at risk because of my pre-existing health issues, I think a judge think would that's be hard pressed to keep yes, them there. I agree. Um, the judge might require some medical proof of that. Mm -hmm. And if one of our listeners is considering that approach to avoid jury service, Get a first of note. all, don't avoid jury service. Right. Right. And second of all, bring legitimate proof with you to show to a judge. If you've got a non-refundable ticket on an airplane for a trip that you've planned with your family, bring proof of that to the court. You know, these judges, as we've discussed, in the past, they're elected. They're not trying to ruin your life by putting you on a jury. At the same time, the entire system breaks down if people don't come in to serve on juries and fulfill their obligation to do jury service. So they don't let you out for seemingly reasonable excuses. In, in the criminal world, every jury trial engenders 10 guilty pleas because it's the day of finality. Oh yeah, we're picking this jury and we've got one right behind him for you. Oh, it's really yeah. happening, Judge? Really? <laughs> right. It's not theory anymore? So we need jury trials. We need to clear up the system. Now, in the civil world, and I do handle a few of those cases, there are some other ways to resolve cases, mediation, arbitration, just flat-out settlements, consensual divorces where you just need signatures. But again, Bruce is right. It's that calendar call. It's that Friday afternoon at 4 o'clock when the judge's law clerk or, or calendar clerk calls you and says, well, you're number three. Judge wants you to be on one-hour call Monday morning. And you call your client uh, that weekend and say, we need to think about what we're really doing here because we may get reached. 
watched. Yeah, here's an anecdote. We frequently talk to judges and we host judges in our office to speak to the lawyers in the community about various issues. And one of the judges came in and legitimately was upset that so many cases get settled on Friday afternoon before a Monday jury trial. And the judge just couldn't understand. He said, you know, look, we set our calendars. We plan ahead to try these cases and we have our staff ready and we have the jurors ready. And then you go and settle these cases the day before the trial starts. You need to stop doing that. And we're like, judge, let me explain something. This is a room full of plaintiff's lawyers. I work on a contingent fee basis. I only get paid once the case resolves, mm-hmm. right? When there's money paid, I get a percentage of that. I don't get paid by the hour. I don't get paid flat fees like the right. defense lawyers do. The defense lawyers have every incentive to drag these cases on as long as they can because they're getting paid for every calendar call, every motion, every everything they can do to just delay the process. They're being paid for it. And while the defendants are not paying to settle cases, they're using that money. We want cases going to trial, and, and it's the pressure cooker of getting a case on the trial calendar that gets cases settled. And I will say this in fairness. It works both ways because because, you know, sometimes there are folks who have lofty expectations of what their case is worth, and then they get cold feet right on the eve of trial, and suddenly an offer that didn't seem so great All of six, a six months prior sounds good that uh, night before. I, I think most people, lay people, are sort of the trial is a theory. It's something they've seen on TV, and it lasts an hour, and there's commercials, and everybody is pretty and well-dressed. And then the reality of, no, you're going to spend all next week sitting next to Y-O-Me in a courthouse where the bathrooms are dirty, and the parking is expensive, and there's no place good to eat lunch, and we're going to leave at 6 o'clock, and we'll be back there the next morning. And then those 12 people might not like our act. Yeah. Every single second that you're sitting there in court. You're not making a buck. You're right. And you're being judged by these jurors. They're looking at every last thing you do. You make an I roll, exhale loudly, you do anything stupid like this, somebody is... is I tell my clients, you are on trial that morning when you leave your house because I assure you, that nice lady that you cut off for that primo parking spot is going to be on your jury. <laughs> Just yeah. Murphy's or, Law, Or right? the person that you didn't hold the elevator for, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or you say something about, oh, I'm here, you know, this criminal damn judge or darn judge, and the judge is yeah. in the back of the <laughs> elevator, or, or his, his or her law clerk. Right. So you're on trial from the minute you get up that morning at 5.30 to put on your blue outfit, yeah. you know, trusty blue, and <laughs> yeah, right. Timex watch. It's a Timex moment, not a Rolex yeah, moment. Right. You know, we should do one of those, uh, getting ready to actually yeah, go into the courtroom. Yeah, yeah. But to Ray's point earlier about... You know, Fulton County Courthouse and the 20 courtrooms. And six pre- elevators, by so the way. So pre-COVID, you know, you might have 300 people that are in the juror assembly room at once. And they're just kind of sitting there waiting to say, all right, you 50, you go to courtroom number one. You 24, you go to courtroom number two. And they get spread out that way, right? Well, now you're, you're looking at the idea that to accommodate a jury trial in the COVID era, we have to give people space. We yeah. can't cram them in to these tiny little rooms, right? The juror rooms themselves are barely big enough to hold the 12 people, you know, who are going to ultimately be deciding the case. So they might say, all right, well, we're going to use that jury assembly room and we're going to divide it in half and that's where the jury's going to deliberate. So we can't bring 300 jurors and we can only bring 50. And if we can't have 10 jury trials going on at once, we can only have one or two. So it's like a slow turning on of the tap to bring cases back to trial. In smaller counties, it's even harder to get it done, but it's starting to happen and the justice system will come open. So if you get that summons in the mail, yeah, you're going to groan. Yeah, you're going to roll your eyes. But when your time comes, show up for jury service, show up with an open mind and certainly be ready to do your job. But will it be a legitimate argument for someone who's anti-vaccine, just like these 178 hospital employees, to say, I don't want to do jury duty? 
I don't want to take the risk, and yet I don't want to have a vaccine. The rubber's going to hit the road yeah. in so many aspects of our culture and our economy as we kind of get down to the last couple of innings of this ball game. This has been your day in court with renowned lawyers Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. We appreciate you listening to us. Guys, quickly, how do we get a hold of you in case someone is in some sort of legal situation? Call Bruce Hagan at 404-522-7553. You can reach me at hagan-law.com. We're available 24-7 to help with your personal injury needs. Ray Judice, G-I-U-D as in David, I-C-E, 404-964-4185, rayglaw.com. Keep it real simple. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.